Thank you, Dorothy Jeff. That's a beautiful, beautiful hymn. And, of course, we are grateful for the cross. What a great day we have today to worship together this morning and then later on in the day, beginning at 4, as we enjoy the fall festival together. Um, it should be a great time and encouragement. No kids, encourage them to come, uh, bring them and their families to be a part of the fall festival today here at church. Turn with me to Daniel chapter 7. The first six chapters of the book of Daniel, we looked at the making of a man as we saw some biography on Daniel as his story was told. And, and now as we come to a section of scripture, we look at not the making of a man, but we're switching gears a little bit as God is revealing his plan, what will occur and uh, it's a very difficult passage of Scripture. Um, I remember hearing one uh, radio preacher say, prophecy is the easiest thing in the world to understand. I disagree. Um, there, it's God help me as I understand as I walk with you. But anyway, uh, Daniel chapter 7. And for our Scripture reading, I want to read the first 16 verses and the very last verse, verse 28. So... You find that text, encourage you to stand in God's honor as I read aloud. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream. And visions passed through his mind as he was lying on his bed. He wrote down the substance of his dream. Daniel said, in my vision at night I looked, and there before me were the four winds of heaven, churning up the great sea, four great beasts, each different from the others, came up out of the sea. The first was like a lion, and it had the wings of an eagle. I watched him until its wings were torn off, and it was lifted from the ground so that it stood on two feet like a man, and the heart of a man was given to it. And there before me was a second beast, which looked like a bear. It was raised up on one of its sides, and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. It was told, Get up and eat your fill of flesh. After that I looked, and there before me was another beast, one that looked like a leopard. On its back it had four wings like those of a bird. The beast had four heads, and it was given authority to rule. After that, in my vision at night I looked, and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims, trampled underfoot whatever was left, it was different from all the former beasts, and it had ten horns. While I was thinking about the horns, there before me was another horn, a little one, which came up among them, and three of the first horns were uprooted before it. This horn had eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth that spoke boastfully. As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow, the hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words of the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority, but were allowed to live for a period of time. In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. 
He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. I, Daniel, was troubled in spirit, and the visions that passed through my mind disturbed me. I approached one of those standing there and asked him the true meaning of all this. And then down to the 28. This is the end of the matter. I, Daniel, was deeply troubled by my thoughts. My face turned pale, but I kept the matter to myself. Let's pray. Father, as we bow before you, whether it's a bended knee or whether it's the heart, Lord, it's to bow before you. Father, we need you. Lord, we don't understand everything, but praise be to God, we serve the God who is in control, and we can trust Him, and we can rest in Him, and we can serve Him, Father, confidently. And I just pray this morning as we look at Your truth, speak far more than I could ever say, Holy Spirit, we invite You to open Your Word to us, Father, that we may hear from You. Father, that matters, and it's what we need. So speak in your power. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, as we begin uh, chapter 7, I want to begin by saying uh, it's interesting in the book of Daniel, the chapters do not follow a chronological timeline. They're not set in steps one right after the other. As a matter of fact, as we open chapter 7, chronologically it appears... Certainly out of order, as Daniel shares about this dream. He says, in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon. Well, we read about, if you turn with me to chapter 5, we read about Belshazzar as it opens up, that King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. And chapter 5 actually talks about the end of his reign, not the beginning of his reign. And I I think it's... I think it's interesting here, as I thought about this church, I I looked at chapter 4, and and chapter 4 of the book of Daniel speaks about King Nebuchadnezzar, this great, powerful king. And there was this great empire that was building, and he was head of all that. But he was prideful. He was arrogant. And he declared himself to be God. And he was humbled and he became like an animal for seven years and roamed around. Then God put him back in his right mind. And it's chapter four, as we look at it, it's wonderful chapters. There's this great testimony of this man who was humbled as, as he saw God correctly. <laughs> and he was changed. And then we come to chapter five and we read this about King Belshazzar. And, and to me, it's as, as I look at chapter seven here, as we go back, we don't have anything prior that first year of his rule, of his reign. And I think what is being said here is God's trying to warn this man. God loves everybody. And he's trying to say to him, hey, remember what happened to your grandfather, the prior king, Nebuchadnezzar, how he had to be humbled. And and then life became in proper perspective. And he says, something has happened since that time that he ruled. And now here you are. And he's about to hold this banquet and, and he's going to take which is precious what is sacred (coughs) the cups that were used in worship in the temple 
among the Jews. And, and, and he took those and he desecrated them. And, and I, I think it's a warning here that's, that's being shared. And Anyway, it, then we go on into the scripture and it says that Daniel had this dream. He had this vision that was communicated to him by God. And, and guys, as you look at this, this dream, this vision, uh, you know, at <coughs> first view, it's like, did Daniel end up at the uh, <coughs> Palestinian pizza parlor and get some bad pizza and just have a bad dream? Because it's just crazy images that seem to appear as we go down through chapter 7. But I want you to look at the relevance of these. And also I believe that they're connected to an earlier chapter, chapter 2, in which there is another dream that is spoken of. And it is revealed and God speaks through Daniel to reveal it. And I believe that there's a connection between chapter 2 and chapter 7 that we want to look at. But uh, let's go just a little bit further though as we go down through our text here. Uh, Verse 2 He says, in my vision at night, I looked before me, and there were four winds of heaven churning up the great sea. In verse 2, we (coughs) read about these four winds and the great sea. As I tried to study and find some insight into these four winds, I want to share with you (coughs) a section of Scripture um, that's described, this section of Scripture by W.A. Criswell of former Baptist minister in Texas. And here's what Crizzle writes about these four winds. I thought it was interesting. He said, There are four seas mentioned in the Bible. The Galilean, the Dead Sea, the Red Sea, and the Mediterranean Sea. Daniel probably stood on those shores many times as a youth. Here he is on the vast shore of the Mediterranean Sea. While standing there, he sees a turbulent and violent storm shaken by the four winds of heaven. He goes on to write, the number four in Scripture often represents the whole earth, the four winds of heaven, the four seasons, the four corners of the compass all represent the whole earth. Daniel saw the raging sea, which was a picture of social revolution and the passions of social history. And so what Criswell's saying, and I believe there's truth to it, is what God's getting ready to say is there's about to become a great upheaval. As people... Turn away from God in history. Some of this would be history to us today. And some of it is yet to come. As as we look at what is revealed to Daniel in this section of scripture. And it's interesting as he goes on into the beasts. uh, He says the first is like a lion lion with the wings of an eagle. I mean just get this picture in your head. uh, Some strange pictures here. He says I watched until its wings were torn off. Wings torn off from the back of this lion. Then then it stood on two feet like a man. And it, it tells us in the scripture that the heart of a man was given to it, to this beast. And, and then he goes on, he describes another beast. A second one, he looked like a bear. Not exactly a bear, but like a bear. And it says it was raised up on its sides, kind of a lopsided bear. And it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And, and, and it was given a command, get up, eat your fill of flesh. And then another beast, this one like a leopard. And on its back it had four wings like those of a bird. And then it mentions it had four heads. And it was given authority to rule. And then a fourth beast is described in our text. This one's terrifying. It's frightening. It's very powerful. 
had large iron teeth, crushed, devoured its victims, trampled underfoot whatever was left. And it was different from the other beasts. And he says, while he was thinking about this beast, and thinking about these horns, another horn appeared. And, and then there's a description of the ancient of days that is described. And, and, and then as he goes forward, he comes down to verse 15. It says he's troubled. He's distressed. He wants answers. You know, it was interesting to me as I looked through here... Um, a number of times, as Daniel receives this dream, these visions, he's looking for more. And, and I want you to notice that as, as um, he shares here about the... He goes down through the beasts and he's describing them. Verse 7, he says, After that, my vision at night, I looked. What happened? He, he, was, he was receiving truth, but he was looking around. He was looking for more because he didn't have a clear picture. He didn't have a clear understanding. And this happens as this is revealed to him. Um, verse 8, he says, while I was thinking about the horns. And, and, and then he, verse 9 again, he says, and I looked. And this time he saw thrones that were in place. And then he comes down to verse 11 as he's trying to make sense of, of this vision, of these dreams, of what God's trying to show him. He, he says, then I continued to watch. Then verse 13, he says, in my vision at night I looked. He's, he's trying to pull this together. And, and as I thought about prophecy, as I thought about an understanding, so often we're trying to pull together God's truth and make sense of what he's trying to share with us. And so often we don't have the, the full picture. And what matters is that we seek God and that we look in his scriptures and we say, God, keep us close as we're trying to understand these days. And what matters, not that I have every detail right, what matters is that I have my life right with you, the living God, and that I'm ready for your return. And I'm ready with what the future holds because I'm walking close with you. He's trying to make sense of this. He's looking around. He's trying to seek God's understanding. Then we come down, and I think it's uh, interesting here is the interpretations given to us as we come down to verse 16. Just want to march through this for a couple of minutes. He says, uh, "Here's the interpretation." Verse seventeen he mentions the four beasts. Then verse eighteen, he jumps right to the very end and mentions the victor, the saints of the Most High, receive the kingdom, possess it forever and ever. So he says, "I want to know. I wanted to know the true meaning of the fourth beast." So as these are given in this interpretation. The first beast, the lion, as we mentioned in chapter 2, was Babylon. And Babylon would be conquered. And, and we read about that conquering at the end of verse 5 as the Medo-Persians came in and as they took charge, as there was a kingdom change. And then we moved on to um, from the Medo-Persians to the Romans and, and the Greeks. And, and then, of course, we come to the Western world which is the present-day kingdoms that are in charge. And I think it's interesting here, as he shares from the Scripture, as he is looking here, in verse 9, as he looks and he sees these thrones in place, there is a description, the ancient days speaks of our God who rules. He's on the throne, and look at this description of him. He took his seat, his clothing as white as snow, 
Our God is holy. Our God is pure. There is no one besides our God, no one like him. The hair of his head, white like wool, showing forth that he is pure. His throne flaming with fire. Its wheels were ablaze. And, and, and there's this, this picture of his power, of his rule. And then he says, a river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him, which shows his majesty. There's a scripture in the Old Testament that says, our God is a consuming fire. And there's this picture. And, and notice here, it says, thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated. The books were open. There were all these attendants. There were all these angels. And, and their job was to give glory to him who was seated and deserved the glory. More than we can count and imagine. Thousands and tens upon thousands in power. And, and he says, in my vision I looked. And there before me was the Son of Man coming with clouds of heaven, he, he approached the ancient of days, led into his presence, our Lord Jesus Christ, who's giving the authority to judge at that proper time as it comes. We're reading verse 14, given authority, glory, sovereign power, all peoples. I don't care what nation you're from. I, I, I don't care your background. We will all bow to Jesus. Nations and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. It's not going to pass away. His kingdom's one that will never be destroyed. As he goes through each of these explanations, he comes down to that fourth beast. Daniel is seeking to understand. He's seeking to, to get answers in, in, in trying to put together uh, the fourth beast, the meaning of this. He's distressed. Look at verse 23. He says, the fourth beast is the fourth kingdom that will appear on earth. It's going to be different from all the others. It will devour the whole earth, trampling it down, crushing it. The ten horns are ten kings who will come from this kingdom. After them, another king will arise different from the earlier ones. He will subdue the three kings. There's a picture here of these ten horns, and, and they speak of ten kingdoms, or, or actually as kings, we could say rulers, presidents, um, or any other type of rule, national leader regardless of the title. And these ten come together and they lock arms and they lock minds and, and, and they come together looking for a ruler and there's this little horn that comes up out of the ten who we believe to be the Antichrist, the one who is going to rule for a time, the one who's going to come and he promises answers, but it's merely for a time. Notice here uh, in verse 24 and 25 it says, the ten horns are ten kings who will come from this kingdom. After them, another will rise different from the early ones. He will subdue three kings. He will subdue those three nations that are not in agreement. He'll speak against the Most High, oppress his saints, try to change the set times and the laws. He wants to take total control and wipe out God. The saints will be handed over to him for a time, times and a half a time as there's that time of suffering that will occur for those who are here those who have not been taken to glory beforehand by trusting in Christ but come to faith after that great oppressive time occurs uh, verse 26 it says but the court will say and his power will be taken away completely destroyed <laughs> and, and there's the sovereign greatness and the power of the most high he'll be an everlasting kingdom you know as, as i thought of this it was interesting we have this picture of our great god thousands and tens of thousands that are worshiping and are attending to him and then it, there's this picture of this little horn and this little horn it says in the text here makes great boasts 
talks about how powerful he is and says terrible things about the Most High. But it's interesting, the Scripture says, he's just a little horn. And then there's a mighty God with thousands upon tens of thousands that are serving. And one day that little horn is going to be subdued. And that's what the Scripture talks about here. He's going to be put in his place. And in exchange for that, the sovereignty and power of greatness of our God will be in the right place. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom. Rulers, all rulers will worship him. (laughs) Now, some lessons um, that come out of of that, uh, that Scripture. Like I said, wow, what a lot of prophecy what a picture of these four kingdoms and you know I, I could have even went in more detail that you know when you look at the greek kingdom and then it was handed over to his four generals and so that's the picture of a leopard um as we go on into these scriptures but two lessons that i come to at the close uh, first as the three kingdoms previously were so will be the four the Babylonians, the Medos and the Persians, the Greeks. And and then, of course, the Romans are all Western world and culture, even today. We're not so big either. We will all bow before Jesus Christ. Our kingdoms, no matter how great we think our nation is, we are not more powerful than God. One day, as He rules, we will fall into that place. So has happened to these other kingdoms. We... Yes, we are also subject to the living God. And second, um, we can rest in God. Some bleak picture here is often presented of what awaits those who are left here. But it reminds us that for now, we can still trust God. He is still in control with what we face. We may not know the details of how God's going to rescue us or deliver us in the present struggle that we're with. But it's a reminder that a God who can give such an accurate picture that comes down through history of his rule is the same God that can take our lives and our issues and can handle it. We can rest in him. I want to close with this example. A couple of years ago, um, it was Super Bowl 37. There was a FedEx commercial, and it was a spoof on the movie Castaway. You remember the movie Castaway with Tom Hanks? Um, Tom Hanks was the main star, and the second star was a soccer ball named Wilson. And, uh, you know, he drew a little face on Wilson. Wilson was his companion. But anyway, in the commercial a couple of years ago, it shows a guy who obviously is, you know, to be that character. He comes to the door uh, as um, as a FedEx driver, and he's delivering a package, and he, you know, shares a story, hey, I was trapped on this island for five years, and I was faithful to keep this package, and I want to deliver it now. And the truth of the matter is, uh, could I just take a peek to see what is in this package that I have guarded for the last five years? And it says that the person, you know, opened the package and said, oh, there's really nothing in here. Um, it, just a satellite phone, a global positioning device, a compass, a, a water purifier, and some seeds. <laughs> Would have been nice to know that beforehand. The truth of the matter is, as God's people, we also have similar blessings that we need to unpackage that sometimes are hidden. And, and here's how this is described in the example. Now he says, like the contents in this package, as a believer, we have a package as well. Our prayers are 
the only telephone we need to talk with God, to get on the prayer line. The will of God is our global positioning device. Position, direct yourself where God directs. And he says the Bible is our compass. Read the word of God, trust him to make a way out. The Holy Spirit's our water purifier. The living water provides um, a purity of heart and mind. He says our time, talent, treasure are the seeds we carry. He says plant the seed as God directs. He provides. We're to open the package, take the contents of the package, and we're to give it to God and to use those for his glory. And along the way, he'll prompt us to plant seeds. So let's pray. Father, as we look at your word and we look at this vision of how you spoke through Daniel, Father, we know we're in that western last empire um, described as the Roman part or really the western world because it's still our culture derives from the Romans. And, And Father, many of the ways that we do things. Lord, as those other three empires... Father, have faded away. Let us know that, Father, there's only one king. There's only one kingdom that will stand for all time. And that's yours. So may we examine our hearts, Lord, to see if we are part of your kingdom. If we are under the rule of the one king who is king of kings and lord of lords. And who will reign forever. And his dominion will always last I pray this morning, Father, that we just take a an honest check with that to see where we are, Father. And are we following you? Are we making use of, Father, the package that you've given to us? Um, Father, are we opening it up and, and looking to you to find strength as we face life? Because so often the picture is not totally clear. We need to be close to you as you reveal to us what we need to know so that we might walk with you faithfully. Lord, we need you. And this morning, as we come to a time we call response, invitation, Father, we're reminded of an altar. It's a place to come and to be honest before the living God, to bow our hearts. And we're reminded that by coming to the front, Father, we're just saying, Lord, we're serious and we want it to be known as a word of testimony to your people and before you that we mean business. So maybe you are working on hearts to come and to share such a decision, whether it's to trust you for the first time or, uh, Father, to mark a new step today to head your direction after walking in the wrong way for a time. Uh, Lord, we just trust you. Work among us. In Christ's name we pray.